0: You can um, turn to Galatians chapter 6. We'll start there. As you're turning there, if I were to say the word share, what's the, not like sunny and share, but like sharing, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Jesus. Don't go there yet. You're too, too fast for me, Mike. For me, toys. Kindergarten kindergarten that's when you first learn how to share isn't it or you're first told that you have to share um my uh, my next sibling was born when i was five right all the time i was going to school uh, school for the first time and so um i never really had to share anything you know mom and dad they just you know if they had to buy anything or get anything it was all for me but then sisters showed up and i had to go to school and i learned about sharing because you you go to school and there's you know there's 30 kids in your class and there's five tricycles Somebody's got to share. You know, we can't all have the Flintstone telephone at the same time. You got to share and pass that thing around. So we learn at a very early age to share. And for some of us, it comes real easy. And for some of us, it's, it's a struggle. But sharing is not just a kindergarten or a rudimentary uh, subject. It's something that we have to learn throughout the course of our whole life. Sharing as we get older, it doesn't necessarily get easier. It just comes in different varieties, and the, the the struggle is still there. I am going to give of myself whatever I have to someone else. And as a kid, what we lack is things like measuring people. Well, do they deserve it? Have they ever wronged me? Should I share with them? Do they, Is there a reason why I shouldn't share? Is there a way I can get out of this? Or Or... Couldn't I share with somebody else? Or do I really have to give this, this one thing? I'll share anything else but this. Sharing gets just as hard as an adult as it was when we were a kid. And so the Bible speaks a lot about sharing, a lot about giving, and a lot about being a part of the community, the community that Jesus Christ initiated that we call the church, okay? So Galatians 6 and uh, 6 and 6 through 10 says this, Let the one who is taught the word, that's you, share all good things with the one who teaches. uh, The one who teaches today, that's me. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. For the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith. Now, even the world understands the idea of sowing and reaping. The idea that if you sow an apple seed, you will grow an apple tree. The idea that if you, uh, if you give to something or someone, something of yourself, that there will be this reaping process. That if you sow into something bad, you won't reap something good. You will indeed uh, reap what you sow. Now, earlier this year, we did a sermon series called, In Jesus' Name, You're Wrong. And we went over 16 different verses um, that, that are just usually mangled and mutilated and used in the wrong context. People preaching the word of God, but preaching it wrongly. So that we walk away not knowing actually what the Word of God says, or we try to live a principle that's not in the Bible. So we have to, uh, we have to be discerners of the Word. We have to, we have to read it um, with, with Jesus in mind. We have to know that our end goal is Him. And when, when there's a scripture that is taught wrong, it, the burden is on us to find out the truth. And one of the scriptures that we didn't get to was this one. The, the, the sowing and reaping verse, because so often what it's used for is for somebody up here to get money from people down there. And you would say, Pastor Tony, that's not true. Oh no, it's true. Throughout the country, throughout the world, men will use this platform to gain riches and influence and status rather than teaching and shepherding the people of God. And so they use this verse. This is generally brought out so into, they'll say this, So into this ministry. They won't say themselves. They won't say so into me because that sounds selfish, but sow into this ministry. And then you will reap something. There are men who will tell you sow a specific amount. It's usually attached to a, a Bible verse. So if you got something like um, Isaiah 54 and 17, they'll tell you to give $54.17 for whatever reason. Um, and they'll promise you sow into us. Give to us and God will do something for you. God is a cosmic ATM. You put in the ATM card and he'll give you the stuff. he, he He's a vending machine. You put in the money and you get the thing you want. And so folks, that's all they want to hear. I need a new car. Okay, I'll give you $54.17 and I'll get a free car. Or I'll give you $54.17 and, and I will sow that and I will reap a marriage or a child or a job all the while this verse being manipulated mangled so that somebody can make a profit and that is wrong and i believe that when these folks meet jesus these men who have falsely uh come into the church taught wrongly and abused the people of god they will be held accountable for that i also believe that those who hear those people and then give to those ministries, we'll be held accountable as well because it's foolishness. And and the weight is on us to go back to the word to see if this is actually what that says. I don't believe that we'll be able to go to heaven, stand before Jesus and say, well, that guy said. That doesn't fly with our own children. They get in trouble, but he started it. What do we usually say? I don't care that they started it. You were a part of it too. And so we hold them accountable as much as the person who started it. And so we won't be able to stand before the Lord and say, hey, that person said, or I was deceived. Sure, you probably were to believe something like that. But but if you have the word of God, the, the, the burden's on you to listen to the Holy Spirit telling you that if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Read your word. And if you are in a place where you don't read your Bible regularly enough to hear a teaching like that and not have red flags start firing off, I would encourage you, start reading your word more often. Get into the word of God and make sure that when somebody says something so foolish, give me money so you will have stuff, that you'll go, that it doesn't sound like Jesus. Let me go back to the word. Let me study. Let me ask my pastor. Let me talk to this person or that person who seems to got their, have their life together. This scripture is absolutely not telling you any of that. But it is teaching us a principle that what we give ourselves to, we will reap from that. And it starts in verse 6 with Paul saying, Let the one who has taught the word, that's you, share all good things with the one who teaches. Here's, Here's the reality of this verse. It's not just me having an excuse now for you to give me stuff. Because certainly that case could be made. But here's the idea. The reason why you're going to share with me is because I'm first going to share with you. The reason why we are going to first share with Jesus with things like our tithes and offerings, are we going to do that to make God do something? Or are we going to do that because God has already done something? God has already shared with us everything to him. That is his son, Jesus. And now we get to respond in sharing as well. The idea here is that if if me as a pastor or anybody should teach here, we give to them because they're giving to us. This is the essence of community. This is the essence of being a family. When mom does all the work at Thanksgiving, we give back to her by washing the dishes or by cleaning off the table. When, When dad goes through the trouble of fixing the car, Maybe we come in and, and we help him relax afterwards, or or a hard day's work. We come in and, and we just help him to relax. We give to him because he's giving to us. The idea of giving to a teacher or a preacher, first of all, has very you know has as much to do with money as anything else. It says share all good things with, with those who teach because the teachers are sharing with you too. Now the danger lies in whether you have a good teacher or a bad teacher. If you're giving to a bad teacher, things are just going to get worse, and, and there has to be some type of reconciliation where you get to a good teaching rather than just – you're just giving stuff to the teacher. Now, for our, our model of community, community is sort of a, a, a word that's being thrown around in the church as of late. It's one of community, authenticity, transparency. These are all words that you'll hear writers and preachers and pastors using those words pretty regularly. And it doesn't make them wrong words. It's just you know, a few years ago it was like in songs. It was words like beautiful and amazing. You found them in every song. They just become kind of trendy. They're still truth, but they're trendy. So to not beat a dead horse but to still preach the truth of the gospel, we're going to talk about community for a little bit. The idea that we are more than just people in a building. We're a family. That's why we do things like potlucks and go to apple farms and do all kinds of fun stuff because we're a family. Turn to the book of Acts chapter 2. Chapter 2 verse 42. If you are Pentecostal or charismatic, you have broken the spine on your Bible in this by these verses – if you don't know what that means, then you're not Pentecostal or Charismatic. So Acts chapter two is seen as you know largely the birth of the church. Jesus has uh, died on the cross, he has conquered death, resurrected, and he's he spent some time with the disciples and about 500 other people, and now he has ascended, and he has told the disciples, wait, just wait until you are clothed with power from on high. That's using my King James version. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come to empower you to do the work of the church or to do the work of ministry, to preach the gospel of Jesus. So they wait around, and in Acts chapter 2, stuff happens. It's it's a festival of the Jews called the Day of Pentecost. Um, And on that day, there's a multitude of people gathered for this festival, and the Holy Spirit falls. It says that fiery tongues fell upon these men, and they began to speak in other tongues. Now, there was a lot of people from different areas of the world who came around and they heard them speaking in tongues and they heard them in their own language. So people who spoke the language of this region heard their tongue and people in this region heard their tongue. And and in this moment, there's people who think that these men are drunk. Peter steps up to preach his first sermon. He steps up and he preaches a sermon that that by the end of it all, 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus. It's an awesome, amazing day. The the birth of the church just explodes onto the scene at this Jewish festival of Pentecost. And so after the dust settles, we get to verse 42, and it says, and they, that's the new Christians, not not the Jews, not the Gentiles, but the new people who have given their lives to Jesus, some 3,000 people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Today we're going to talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, God God doesn't just share things with us. He shares himself with us. He gives of himself to us through the Holy Spirit. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is just not a spirit amongst many spirits. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Okay, If you've been in church for a long time, you're probably more used to calling him the Holy Ghost than the Holy Spirit. Um, But the Holy Spirit, nonetheless, is not just uh, a secondary God or, or, or an angel. He is God, along with God the Father and God the Son. And he was promised to us by Jesus that when he left, he would send the Holy Spirit so we wouldn't be like orphans, but that we would be empowered to do the work of ministry. Having the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential for any Christian to do anything. Many folks will come they 'll give their lives to Jesus, walk away into the same old lifestyle. These are not people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, and these are people that just in my opinion, I would say nothing has really happened there there's a there's a a mindset that understands but there's a heart that 's been unchanged, and there still needs to be that radical change in that person or in those people. But when we see people filled with the Holy Spirit, something happens. Now, I come from and have been licensed through a Pentecostal charismatic denomination okay so i understand the importance and the weight of those words and many of those point back to acts chapter two the tongues of fire coming and that being the initial evidence of people who are filled with the holy spirit that that if you're filled with the holy spirit baptized in the holy spirit that's the first thing that will happen i disagree with that and i'll tell you why Um, It's not that it can't be the first evidence. That part I don't disagree with. I disagree with it being the only initial evidence that there could be. Here's why I disagree with that. Number one, uh, most when they teach that, they teach that the the heavenly language speaking in tongues is the first thing that happens to a filled, a Holy Spirit-filled person. That's not what happened on the day of Pentecost. They weren't filled with heavenly languages. They were filled with languages that people understood. Supernaturally empowered nonetheless, but these were languages that, that could be deciphered by people. This heavenly language that we are, are, are baptized into, uh, the speaking of tongues, where, where it's unintelligible to the people who hear it, uh, is, 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 is different than what we read about in Acts chapter 2. Here's the second reason why I disagree with that. The first thing that these 3,000 people do when they are filled with the Holy Spirit is they come together as a family. And to me, that is the, the the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the church is no longer a place. It's your family. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when someone's down, you want to help them up. You, you want to have lunch and dinner and breakfast and coffee with these people because they're your family. You are filled with the Holy Spirit and you want to devote yourself to the church. You want to be a part of what's going on, what Jesus is doing to me. This is the evidence That we see in Acts chapter 2 of people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if we go back to Peter's Peter's sermon. Peter never tells the people, okay, give your life to Jesus and then start having food with one another. He doesn't say, okay, repent of your sins and then start meeting in homes. This was, I don't want to say naturally how things progressed. It's supernaturally how things progressed. Once people met the risen Lord, once they did repent of their sins, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and this is immediately what they went to. Let me give you four quick evidences of being filled with the Holy Spirit. First is devotion to Jesus. Romans 11 says that that when you become a Christian – the broken branches, the, the Jews that were broken off the net, he uses this symbolism. This, these broken branches—they're broken off. They represent the Jews. We have been grafted in. We were wild olive branches grafted in to the, the the tree that is Jesus. And so, so we're not just we're not just cleaned up people. We're a brand new creation, and our life and our and our sustenance comes straight from Jesus. And so, devotion to Jesus is is the one of the initial evidences of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Number two, devotion to church leadership. It says that the, that the, that the new Christians devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That means they went to church, they went to Bible study. They, when there was somebody teaching or preaching the Bible, they went. And they dedicated themselves to the church leadership. Now, when you have bad church leadership, that ends badly. But when you have good church leadership, it becomes this, this, this life. of of giving and taking the sharing that paul's talking about in galatians 6 that together there's this give and take you're devoting yourself to the teaching the teachers are devoting themselves to you number three devotion to one another if you if you say or profess to be a christian but you don't want to be a part of anything that's going on i would just say i see the initial evidence being people who came together not because they were like-minded or excuse me they were like-minded but not because they were the same it's not like it was 3,000 contractors or 3,000 uh, you know, athletes or 3,000 cooks. They didn't all share something in common uh, other than Jesus. They came from different parts of the world. They came together and they just, they, hey, you're a Christian? I'm a Christian too. You're my new best friend. Let's go do something. And they went and they broke bread at their homes. And they went and they prayed together. And they prayed for other people. All because they met Jesus. And lastly, they did these things without being commanded to. That's the part that impresses me the most. Peter tells, when, when people hear the first sermon, and it says they're cut to the heart, and they understand, I did something, Jesus is God, and I'm not holy, and he's clean, and I'm not, something's got to change, what do I do? Peter says this, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They do that, they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they devote themselves. Church, if, you're, if you've ever been accused of being unspiritual, not spirit-filled, these are your evidences. Do you love the church? Do you love the people? Do you love Jesus? Are you devoted to them? This is being spirit-filled. As a result, you may do things like speak in tongues, prophesy. Give words of encouragement, discern, have all these gifts of the Holy Spirit that we learn about later in the epistles from Paul. But do you have this first? See, because if somebody were to come up and say, I speak in tongues, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and I don't like any of these people, I would question everything they just said. If there is no love, then the speaking in tongues, I just have, I have no evidence for it. If if they speak in tongues but, but they are this rogue by themselves, I can have church at home with nobody else mentality, I'd say, you know what? I see in the Bible folks get filled with Jesus and they want to be together. And so if that is you, if that is your heart, if your heart is to be with people, if your heart is in not a codependent way but in a way that you genuinely love people, you want to serve people, you want to give to people, you want to be a part of what God is doing in the church, that is how community starts up. And that is how families flourish, and that is how Jesus gets preached. When people come together and go out together and live together. God does not call us to duplicate one of ourselves, that we all have to look and dress the same, but he does call us to be united. And someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit will seek to be united and devoted to Jesus. Now, let's let's progress down to uh, Galatians 6 and 7. And talk about sowing and reaping. Verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. First off, right after that, isn't that scary? Because most people when they say this, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Like, that's, like all of a sudden there's Sean Connery when they're saying the Bible. Um, it's, it's a warning. There's good reason for that. There's this warning. God is not mocked. God is not abused. God is not. Uh, God is not. Tricked or swindled that if you let me just go back to the verse for whatever one sows that he will also reap for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life, and so Paul does not progress into money and giving of money what he pre, what he's talking about here is sin. if you are giving your life to sin. That is what you will reap. You cannot give to unholiness and hope to reap holiness. In the same way, you cannot sow into God and not receive from God. You cannot give yourself in this community mindset, be devoted to one another, devoted to the church's teachings and and to the word and to Jesus and not reap from that. I have met very few people who are in their word daily who live a life that, for me, I don't, I don't think to myself, they're surviving, they're making, they're thriving. The folks that I meet that are always falling apart, that are always just, they don't know what to do, they're always confused, are the ones that are never in their word. They're sowing into everything else except for the word of God. Thus, that is what they are reaping. And I've always met people who sow into the word daily, fanatically, just I love the word of God and I want to read it. And I read it every chance I get. I see those people reaping from that. I see them reaping peace. I see them reaping joy. I see them reaping uh, patience because they are, being tra- they, are, they are reaping from what they have sown into. Don't be, don't be fooled into give money and God will give you stuff as this is often taught has nothing to do with money it has to do with where you give yourself what you give yourself to if you're going to give yourself to alcohol which if you read biblically is not a sin to drink alcohol but it certainly is is destructive and can be if you're giving yourself to drunkenness if you're going to give yourself to drunkenness that's what you're going to reap. If you're going to sow yourself into pornography, that is what you will reap. You will reap a devastated marriage. You will reap a wife that has been devastated. You will reap children who are unsettled and and, and, and see the turmoil of their parents. You will reap that. If you sow yourself into the church, if you sow yourself into God's word, if you sow yourself into your spouse or into your children, then that is where you will reap from. It does not guarantee an easy life. It guarantees that life will come from God. It guarantees that God, that life will come from the Holy Spirit. And that you may not have a road without bumps, but you'll have a road that follows Jesus. And so sowing and reaping, you've got to begin to look at your life. What am I giving to? Where do I give myself? How much time do I put into my hobbies? Question, are hobbies wrong? No, hobbies are fun. Some hobbies are are weird to me, but you like them, so that's okay. You like fishing? Great. I'm not a big fan of fishing. It's hard, and you have to wake up really early. It's messy. I don't really like to eat fish to begin with, so – and most of the time it's like – it's a big joke. I caught you. I'm just going to throw you back in. (laughs) Big sporting just joke. Let me see if I can catch you again. Oh, look, I got you. You're dumb. I'm smarter than you. I, I don't get that. Is fishing wrong? No, some of you like really like to fish. That's great. That's awesome. But if you are sowing yourself into that, predominantly the majority of who you are, that's what you're going to reap from. You're going to find yourself one day going, why is everything falling apart? I'm catching tons of fish, but everything else is falling apart. You've sown into that. If, if If your hobby is building cars, once again, i don't have any interest i I just don't see my hands you can tell a guy who works on cars because their hands are black almost always that's not me i don't have anything wrong with that i think that's great but if that's all you do if that's what you sow yourself into you'll reap from there and everything else will suffer and so we have to identify and look at the things we give ourselves to because we only have so much time right we only have so much attention Advertisers know this. That's why. That's why commercials aren't fifteen minutes long; they're thirty seconds long. Hey, come buy my stuff, and your life will be perfect. Only nineteen ninety nine. Sale, sale, sale! We had uh, Ellie for her birthday. Got something called a snackies. Anybody here ever heard of a snackies? You will if you have kids. The so snackies. It's revolutionary. It's a cup with another cup. I'm going to steal jokes from Mike Kessler right now. Just i got to give him credit for this. But have you just ever went to go sit on the couch and not want to carry a bowl and a cup? Well, you just put them together. It, the bottom is your drink and the top is your snack and they fit together. It's a Snackies. Ellie got one for her birthday yesterday and every kid walked out going, I've seen that commercial. I need to have a Snackies. My son woke up this morning. Daddy, can I have a Snackies for Christmas? Like, really? That's all you want? I was going to buy you a truck but sure whatever i'll get you you the snackies i guess advertisers know our attention spans ah we need something right now we've only got so much attention we've only got so much time we've only got so much to give and if we're giving it to something we're taking it away from somewhere else don't be fooled into thinking okay i gave a little bit to jesus and now i'm gonna just go over here and do whatever i want do not be deceived god is not mocked from where you sow, that will that's where you will reap. And so you've got to ask yourself, where should I be sowing? Well, Jesus says, or I should say, through Paul, God says, the Spirit. Go to verse nine. Paul says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. If we do not give up, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is sowing into the spirit. When Paul says sow to the spirit rather than the flesh this means the desire that god has implanted in you he has changed your heart maybe you were the guy who hated to be around people you didn't like large crowds you don't like speaking in front of people and so god takes you and now says you know what i'm changing your heart i'm taking out the heart of stone putting in a heart of flesh i'm writing my commands on your heart and all that from the bible and then now you have these new desires Oh man, I don't really like being around people, but now I want to. I don't really like giving or being generous, but now I feel like I want to. And Paul says, you need to sow into that. You need to do that. You need to follow that. You need to forsake the old, because if you sow into the old, that's what you'll get. But if you sow into this new thing that God is doing in your heart, he is changing you uh psalm 37 i believe says that uh, uh delight in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart make jesus your all in all he will change your heart to desire him some folks they'll come to me they'll be very honest and i appreciate this people say i just don't want to i just don't feel like it i love that more than oh yeah i love jesus and then we never see you again i love people who are honest and say you know what I know it's right, but I don't feel it. Begin sowing into what Paul says here in verse 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Here's here's a great promise. God's a God who rewards. Here's what what the prosperity teachers and others miss. And for those who are against it, they, they end up teaching that God doesn't reward. That's not true. God's a rewarder of faith. When we exercise our faith in Jesus, he gives to us. Now, we don't get to determine what we get, and we don't get to determine when we get it. But we have these promises that God will give to us because we have exercised our faith. Hebrews chapter 11, I believe it's verse 6, says that, that there's two things we have to do to please God. Believe that he is and that he rewards his children. God rewards our faith. When our faith is tested, God rewards it. That God's, a, God's like a father who gives, who gives to his children and delights in giving. And, and we want to make a system that, that creates what we get. I want a pony and a slide and I want a car and a job. And, and that's not how it works. And the same way that your child can not come to you and say, I want to have this right now. You would look at them and say, no, you can't. Simply because of your attitude first and foremost. We've got to correct that first before I can give you anything. I love you and I, and I, and I want to give to you, but your heart's wrong. We've got to change that first. So that when I do give to you, it's not a hindrance to you or a stumbling block to you, but it's a blessing to you. And sometimes God doesn't give to us things not because he doesn't want to, but because they become a stumbling block. They become something that keep us from him rather than draw us closer to him. We worship the thing rather than the creator. And God's got to fix our heart first that's a good thing. That's a thing that we should desire. Turn to Psalm 73. Okay. One of the questions I got right off the bat in the Ask Your Pastor question, survey, gathering information thing was why do, why do bad things happen to good people and why do good things happen to bad people? Why do the evil prosper? That's a really good question. If you read the book of Psalms, you'll realize you're not the first person to ask that question. You're there. Let me read this to you first. Psalm 37 and 1 says, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and... He will give you the desires of your heart. Later in that chapter, the writer says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Right now, on this planet, there are a multitude of people who are profiting from profiting from evil. They are making money in evil ways. They are making money. Sinfully, off of sin, they are killing and murdering and destroying in the name of making a dollar, and nobody bats an eye. It's become so natural that we no longer care when we find out a pharmaceutical company has made billions of dollars off of a medication that is killing people. Oops, we made a mistake. We'll pay out $1 billion in compensation because we made $45 billion. The math, the math still worked out. We destroyed human lives and we lied and all that, but that's how you make money. We see dictators and people prospering, taking land and taking over. The Bible's full of don't, don't look at them, don't envy them, don't think that they got everything together don't think i don't see them psalm 73 is written by a man named asaph asaph was a prophet and a gifted poet and a gifted musician and he writes psalm 73 saying truly god is good to israel to those who are pure in heart but as for me see he starts off right but as for me my feet had almost stumbled my steps had nearly slipped for i was envious of the arrogant when i saw the prosperity of the wicked for they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble. As others are, they are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they, let, they, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Truly you set them in slippery places, you make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O oh Lord, when you, arouse, when you arouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul has, was embittered, when I was pricked in the heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of your works." Asaph said, look, God, you're good. I get that. But look, these wicked, I'm looking at them. They're prospering. They they have plenty of food to eat. They have too much food to eat. They have so much money, it's just falling out of their pockets. And and every day gets easier for them. And I wake up, and, and I love you, and things are just hard for me all day long. They got all the stuff. I got no stuff. They have health. I have no health. Their road is just a a downward, woo! And for me, it's uphill trudging and hurting and, and just arduous. But then he says, you know what? The end of them is not the end of me. Their end is not the same as my end. And you will deal with them justly. And you will deal with me justly. You will reward my faith to you. For not yielding to evil when the evil are prospering. See, church, evil prospering is not anything new. This was written thousands of years ago. Human man, nature is the same. Evil men are still prospering, but God still sees it. And these men, without repenting, they will die. But that should not change how you walk with Jesus. If... If they are evil, then do not be evil. And if you're not rewarded for your lack of evilness, so be it. You have Jesus, they do not. You have a higher standard that they don't have. And you must operate under that standard, not the standard they have. We cannot afford to give up and grow weary in doing good. It's what we have been called to do we will do good whether somebody says thank you we will do good whether somebody appreciates it we will do good because our lord has done good to us god died on the cross for us when people weren't going to appreciate it he still did it and we will follow suit and we will do the same and we will be good and we will do good and we will not grow weary in doing good why do you think paul tells us not to grow weary in doing good because we're going to grow weary in doing good. Because we're going to keep giving to somebody and doing for somebody. And they're going to seemingly just not appreciate it. And we're just going to say, you know what? I give up. I don't want to do it anymore. They don't appreciate it. I'm here to tell you, if you've got that mentality, you've got you've to crucify that. Because you don't give for the person you give because God has commanded you to give. And not grow weary. And Paul adds this at the end, last verse. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. I, 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 I struggle with this every time I fly. They get to the part of the little presentation, the stewardesses, they start, they, you know, they do the belt buckle, they do the, the card, do they show you? They show the life vest and where to find them. And then there's the thing that pops out of the top of the thing, right? The little bag with the yellow face mask part. And what do they always tell you? do yourself first, then do somebody else. I was like, no, I must be the hero. I'm sitting next to the exit door. I have more responsibility. I will do everyone but myself and then I'll do myself. The reality is if I don't help myself first, I could pass out and help nobody and perish myself, right? That's the that's the idea, not to freak anybody out from flying. That's the reality. That same mentality is the same. We are first called to give to the church. We are first called to give to one another, to do good to the church, to do good to one another, to do good in the name of Jesus, but also to everyone. Now we start with the church, but that extends and overflows to everyone. So we can't say, I'd give to you, but you're not a Christian. Sorry. I see how you're destitute and your children are hungry, but you've never been to my church. I can't give to you that's not how it works. We start in the church, but if we see somebody outside of the church that needs help, we help them too. We, ho- we hope that they see Jesus in our helping. And we give to them. There will always, 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 always be a chance to do something. What will you do? Here's the greatest gift you could receive today. First, there's Jesus. Jesus just dying on the cross for you. Salvation, forgiveness. First, best gift ever. If you have that and nothing else for the rest of your life, God has given you everything. Amen? The Bible says that, uh, specifically in Matthew chapter 7, to ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, always good to be called evil by Jesus, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God's a Father who gives good gifts. Now Luke clarifies exactly what Jesus was saying that day in Luke chapter 11. He says that, that God will give to you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just God, but He is also a gift given from God to us. And it's by Him that we will do anything that we've talked about today or in any other sermon. Today, do you seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you seek to to want to be a part of the family of God? Do you seek to want to be brothers and sisters underneath Christ in the blood that He has shed in, on Calvary? If that is the desire of your heart, you are being filled with the Holy Spirit to live the life that Christ has given you. I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray. Now, now I can't I can't give you the Holy Spirit. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't smack it into your forehead. I can't kick you in the stomach and make you fall over. I mean, I could if you wanted me to. I just don't think that would go really well and end up in a lawsuit for me or something. But if you want the Holy Spirit, what does Peter say? Repent. Repent of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Some of you got baptized over the summer. It was awesome. It was cold and brutal. But you gave your life to Jesus. You repent of your sins. You're baptized in his name. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's close our eyes for just a moment. Raise your hand if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Raise your hand. Okay. Father God, in the name of Jesus, your word calls us... To repent I'm praying Lord and I'm praying that that your people would do just this that we would repent of our sins You have extended to us grace through your son, Jesus that through his death burial and resurrection that we too can be forgiven of our sins But father we seek today not for more than that, but for the next step in that that we'd be filled with your Holy Spirit that today would be the day where new desires begin in our heart That we now long to be with your people. We long to read your word. We long to be in fellowship. We long to pray. We long to see. the. We long to do good. We long to love, Lord. Change our hearts. Change who we are. Create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. And Father God, I pray today that this would develop in us this this community we're all seeking, this family we're all longing for, that the appetite for that would be satisfied in it. And so, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus today, we rebuke the enemy from coming to us with false teachings as they did in Galatia and as they did have done to multitudes across our country, that we see the truth in your word, that we be people who know your word, That we no longer be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, Lord. But that we would know what your Bible says. That you would indeed be our God and we would be your people. All united under Jesus. That we have such a desire for him. That we continuously hunger, even as we are satisfied, we'd be hungry still for you, Lord. And I pray, Jesus, there's nothing I can do to make this happen. I have no power, Lord, to make these people do anything you want them to do. But I'm praying, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would fill them in such a way that they do what you have called them to do. And Lord, we will praise you and we will go and we will preach and we will serve and we will love. And we give you the praise today in Jesus' name. Amen.